Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and fellow underworld operator, assassin, cleaner, whatever you want to call him, Christian Ubius. Christian, how's it going? Did I accurately capture your job description as it pertains to the underworld? I am reading a book in which there are... um some people who walk around that have had spikes like driven into their eye sockets uh-huh. and protrude off the back. Yeah. And I feel like I, I, if I lived in that world, these are evil people, by the way, who do this, okay. but that might be a cool job to like be the one who, you know, is hammering. <laughs> I'm... Okay. So not assassin, uh, operator, cleaner, spike, spike giver. Spike Impaler. (laughs) Christian's a more of a fantastical type of underworld, but today we're talking about the semi-realistic underworld of none other than John Wick, as our David Leach blend of the month marches on. And Christian, I gotta be honest with you, I've been very excited about this episode, because I'm a huge fan of this franchise, and in fact, I saw the most recent installment of this franchise with your roommates before you lived here in Los Angeles, so even some connections to the people of this apartment. But what's your connection to the John Wick franchise, if any? I saw the first John Wick after a housewarming party, and was... Like, okay. And I rewatched it. And that is my connection to John Wick. So you have not yet seen Chapter 2 or Chapter 3 dash Parabellum, it sounds like. No, but I do remember in because Chapter 3 came out when I was a senior in college. And I remember my friends going out to see it. And I remember them saying that they were excited to go see it. I don't know what they thought of the movie, but I do remember <laughs> that there was excitement about the movie. Oh, man. See, Chapter 2 came out, and I was a, a junior or senior in college myself. Can't remember when that happened. And I managed to convince not just one or two, but, like, ten friends to go see it with me. Pretty sure none of them had seen the original. They just wanted to go to the movies as a group of friends. And I jokingly suggested a movie called John Wick Chapter 2, and they went with me. And I almost lost some friendships that day, but Christian, let me tell you, I had a great time. <laughs> And now, of course, if any of them ever find their way to this podcast, I'm sure I'll get a text about it. But even so, I'm really excited to talk about the original, because it's been years since I've seen this movie, and I've become a huge fan of the franchise in the years since. And it was high time for me to return to it. So I'm curious to see how your opinion changed, if at all. Because I recall, I mean, you just said it, but I recall when we were talking about this blend of the month, you did say you thought this movie was fine. Whereas a lot of people have, you know, been out and proud, huge fans of it. Obviously kicked off a franchise. So we'll see how your feelings have changed, if at all, Christian. But of course, there are some key details we always got to share about these movies before we get into it. So please, 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 let's talk about the premise of John Wick. Oh, Christian, we will get to that premise. I guess. No, it's important for background information. (laughs) So John Wick's wife dies of cancer or something, I don't know, some, some, some disease. disease, some illness. Right. And apparently, as she knew she was dying, she buys him a dog that gets delivered to him, Yeah, I guess, the day of her death? Yeah. Sure. Um, and, and then he has this dog for two days, 
Well, it's not the day of her death before we get there. Her, like, funeral has happened. It's after the funeral. Sure, sure, sure. So there's sure. some like, time that four passes. Four days. Four days. They mention that it has only been, like, four days since her death. <laughs> that's that's true. They do say that in the movie. Okay. So, let's... Let's... So... Let's keep <laughs> that in mind. <laughs> time passes, but barely. And therefore... So, so he now has this dog. I think it's a beagle. It's a cute-looking dog. Very cute-looking beagle. Very cute dog. Um, he pisses off a Russian dude who's like the son of a mafia boss when he says he won't sell him his car. And so this Russian dude comes with a battalion of people. There's like two guys. They sure. just, they surprise him. Which is, is upsetting. And we're going to get to why this is upsetting later. Comes to his house and knocks him unconscious and then kills his dog. Um... 15 minutes and 57 seconds into this movie. Thanks for accurately taking down the timestamp. Absolutely. They steal the car, too. It's not just the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. They steal his car and take his dog. And then we see that John Wick was a member of the criminal underworld who used to go down and with sheer strength and knowledge of guns extremely accurate uh shooting from our guy john Wick. very good accuracy <laughs> in, in terms of gun kill counts um what was 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 highly prized and then left it for this woman who is now dead who gave him a dog who is now dead yes so he just seeks revenge indeed he does which to be fair in that circumstance i probably would too and i'm not a highly trained assassin with a massive body count in my wake so you know, Christian, we'll, we'll talk about the premise and what we think about it as we get into our actual review. Because I get the feeling that you brought it up with a smile on your face because maybe you don't find it the most provocative or sincere premise to a movie that you've seen in recent memory. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about it later. We'll talk about it. So yes, of course, John Wick, the movie about the guy whose dog is killed and he goes on a revenge trip. There's much more to it than that, but we'll get into it. Uh, of course, John Wick is played by none other than Keanu Reeves in the movie that arguably kicked off his career renaissance that we are still in the middle of here, uh, going into the early 2020s. Also, I mean, Okay, what other movies besides Matrix Resurrections has he had, though? Let's see, Christian. Obviously, this is a big franchise. So he's gotten to sure. not just make one, not but uh, three of these movies thus far. The fourth far. one comes out next year. The fourth one is forthcoming, and I am hotly anticipating it. Let's see, what else has our guy Keanu gotten to do? So not every movie that he's made has been a smash, nor has he been a major part of it. Like, for example, he was in The Neon Demon, which is Nicholas Winding Refn's movie, I've not seen The Neon Demon, and I don't know how big of a part Always he plays. Always Be My Maybe. He did have a cameo in Always Be My Maybe, which is uh, sheer brilliance, covered on this podcast in the previous episode. Uh, but the movies that he's fronted outside of John Wick haven't been as successful. Something like Replicas, another movie that I haven't seen, not very well received. Quite a renaissance this guy is having. But, okay, even so, he is much more relevant beyond uh, his, basically where he was in the early 2010s, because his star was really falling off. He had a lot of movies that were not working, not making a lot of the box office. His directorial debut, which we also covered in the previous episode on a streaming Man recommendations Chi, episode. if I remember. Yes. It, it kind of came and went. It didn't really make an impact in the States. It was it's a, not a bad movie. Not a bad movie at all. I would definitely recommend you check it out if you want to see it. Both of us liked it. He's made a lot of, he's been in a lot of movies in small parts, supporting roles, and even done some voice work. He obviously is more, most recently in DC League of Super Pets, but had a part in Toy Story 4, 
one of those new His SpongeBob part movies. Story four is great. So it's really not so much like he is competing for Oscars or he's fronting mega franchises outside of John Wick, but they were able to make another Matrix movie, partially because he's he's hot again. They made another Bill and Ted movie. And he's been he was in video games. He was in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which of course didn't work, but he was the internet's most beloved celebrity for like a year after that game made made waves at E three. So he has been more in the news over the past couple of years since John Wick. And he's known for being a good guy. Absolutely known for being a good guy. So I, I heard a story. This is just something that was posted on Reddit. So for all I know, it could be untrue. But some guy had like a, a grandma or a sick relative who just really loved John Wick. Or not John Wick. <laughs> loved Keanu Reeves' movies. And happened to run into the guy. And he basically just walked up and said, Hey, my, you know, my mom or my grandma, whoever, loves your movies. Just want to say thanks for all the great work over the years. Someone's going to walk away. But then the guy's like, do you have a cell phone? And Keanu says. And he's like, sure. I do have a cell phone. So Keanu's like, give me your phone. And he takes the phone out, calls this woman, and talks to her for like 10 minutes. Says, thanks for the kind words about my movies. I'm so glad I could, you know, I can entertain you. And so glad that you appreciate it. And just seemingly an extremely genuine person, thankfully. So... I, I I'm excited about our right. guy Keanu, even if his career renaissance isn't let's, let's, yeah, let's, isn't huge and crazy. <laughs> like Willem Dafoe is in this movie. Willem Dafoe is in this movie, of course. There's an ensemble cast here. Woman who plays Miss Perkins is in this movie. Uh, Adrienne Palicki, who maybe she was in Friday Night Lights, the TV show. She was she in um, Agents of Shield, or is that someone else? Woman who plays Keanu's wife is in this That's movie. Else. Bridget Moynihan. Once married to Tom Brady. We got Michael Nyquist and Alfie Allen, hot in the streets because of Game of Thrones. This movie, of course, came out in 2014. Is, Alfie Allen yeah. appearing. <laughs> which would have been season three or four of Game of Thrones, which is very beloved. Yes. I, both of them are. That's right. And a few others recognizable faces like Lance Reddick, Ian McShane, and who's, John who's Leguizamo. Vigo? Vigo is played by Michael Nyquist. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about Vigo. We All shall. Right. Of course, this movie is directed by David Leach. Of course, this is our David Leach Blend of the Month. But it's actually co-directed by him and Chad Stahelski. Leach is notably only listed as a producer. Because the Directors Guild of America only accepts one director unless it's an established duo. Right. And so they only gave it to Chad Stahelski. Yes. And even that role is more recent. Because it used to be, for example, the Coen brothers only listed one of them as a director. The other would always be writer, producer, etc. But now they can credit each other equally. Which is so a stupid rule. It kind of is a stupid rule. It's It goes back to making sure people got paid and stuff back in the day. But yeah, it's a little bit outdated nowadays. Sure. Um, are we ready? Well, I mean... <laughs> Christian. A little more to it, of course. I did want to briefly ask your thoughts on Chad Stahelski, because we have not talked about him, of course. What did he do? We've got David Leach co-directing here with him. Stahelski has predominantly been directing the John Wick movies, but he's been around. He's he's helped to produce uh, movies as well, like Leach, Day Shift, Just Hit Netflix, starring Jamie Foxx. They've both been acting, stunt coordinating for a long time. I think I had in my head that Stahelski had directed something beyond John Wick, but he's actually only directed Wick movies. Leach actually no longer directed after the original. It's been all Stahelski. Uh, so I guess we'll get into his, uh, since it's only really the Wick movies, we'll talk about it more in the review. The only other thing to mention is this movie was written by Derek Kolstad, who has become attached to all kinds of projects since this movie came out. He uh, helped to, was it right? It was right and produced Nobody with Bob okay. Odenkirk. Did yeah, you yeah. see Nobody? I saw like 45 minutes of it on a plane. Nobody great plane movie. Yes, great plane movie. Nobody rules. You guys should check it out. It's on HBO Max. But shout out to our guy, Derek Kolstad. Went to the same college as frequent friend of the show, Paul Yoder. Shout out to our guy, Paul. 
Last thing I'll say before we get into this review here is John Wick was a success, obviously kicked off a franchise, made for a budget about 20 30 million, but brought in 86 at the global box office. And of course, propelled the careers of Leech and Stahelski. This was their first big movie they directed. And now, of course, they've been attached to other projects. They've been all over Hollywood, Leech especially. So, Christian, well, let's get down to business. Let's get into it. So, we will... We'll talk about Leech and Stahelski's direction. Obviously, I want to give credit where credit is due. This is our Leech blend, but Stahelski's, you know, he's the main credited guy, thanks to the DGA. But first, I do have to ask this. I know that you're a Keanu skeptic, and when he's come up on this show before, you have not always been a fan, and sometimes it's justified. Like, was it much ado about nothing? <laughs> Which, as much as I love the guy, he is flat out bad in that movie. Um, but where often I am a fan, you are resistant. So I know that was probably a major part of why you didn't like this movie the first time you watched it, or at least thought it was fine. So I have to ask Christian, on a rewatch of John Wick, did his performance work for you this time around? And we'll start there with the man at the center of the show. He, uh, he is not at all the performance I dislike the least in this movie. And so I'm not I'm not out here touting his laurels, but he is he's working in this movie. I, w I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe someone else could do what he's doing, but I'm, I'm not upset that he's the one helming this film. Not upset. I'll take it. <laughs> Man, Christian, because, you know, this, I think this movie, John Wick, obviously we talked about it, kind of kick-started his uh, rise back to fame in the 2010s and now the 2020s. His best role is in Something's Gotta Give. <laughs> Still a movie I have to see. Uh, that's on that's on the ever-growing watch list, of course. But a lot of people actually say this is one of his best roles. Even people say this over The Matrix, where I might disagree because he's so key to what The Matrix is doing. But, uh, I mean, I honestly think he is great in this movie. So I'm, I'm curious for you, what kind of holds back your praise? Because I'll definitely take, you know, I'll take... It sounds like every word he says is disingenuine. And, and and this goes back to the Matrix's oh, which is 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 so devoid of of body and and what's the best way to put this? You know how there are full bodied beers and full bodied wines, and then there are light bodied beers sure. and light bodied wines, right? Sure. And the full bodied ones are 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 um, you can't see through them as much. They're hazier. They're denser. Um, this man's voice is not dense for me. It sounds like he doesn't mean the things that he is saying. What in the world? And, and I cannot connect to him emotionally, which is also kind of weird in that for some reason I'm on an island on this because he kept being cast in rom-coms for God knows why. But I, 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 he is a great commanding physical presence who, who, there are some actors that I've heard it said that when their agents look through scripts for them, they should just cross out all lines and just instead put close up on face or silhouette. <laughs> because it, it's, it, it, them as an imposing figure is where their strength comes. I mean, look. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, but are we really saying we're down to see a political drama with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the lead prosecutor? Now I'm just imagining Schwarzenegger playing himself in like a biopic of his life. And or so we get to see men. his <laughs> this tenure as governor of California. <laughs> for sure, but we're not dying for that. So 
this is that is what has always held me back. I think he does not have many lines here. That's what I was going to bring up because, of course, the key to this part is that physicality. And Reeves does a lot of his own stunts in this movie. There's some great clips of him practicing his handling of weapons and moving on shooting ranges, practicing walking and shooting at the same time. Those, those kinds of things that are more difficult than we, we think they are because we've all played Call of Duty. But not only is he a commanding physical presence, I actually think that he brings the necessary gravitas to the role. Because like you said, he doesn't have a lot of lines, which means he really has to sell it when he actually is speaking, especially when he's trying to intimidate someone. And throughout this movie, everybody's talking about how John Wick is the boogeyman of this, this particular corner of the underworld. He's Baba Yaga. He's the guy that when he's coming for you, you know that your goose is cooked. You're not going to make it out of the night or the week or whatever you want alive because Baba Yaga, John Wick, is coming for you. And the moments where he really has to lean into that intimidation factor totally worked for me this time around. Especially thinking of the one big speech he gets that led to the famous, like, line, the one famous line from this movie with, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Like, that particular moment it's not really stands great. out to me. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, okay. Are we, are we just unloading on, on, on Keanu right now? Is this what this portion of the review is? I, I, I wanted to start here because he is obviously the central figure of this movie. He's okay. front and center on the poster. Then, so we got to talk is, through. This is what is not working for me. That he is being given the task of seeking revenge for his dead dog. Which is a dog. But is that all he's doing, Christian? No, 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 he's not. <laughs> this dead dog is in place for this, for his dead wife, who is the person who caused him to leave this life behind. And now he realizes that at the death of both of them and him seeking revenge, he is falling back into what he was beforehand and he is growing to accept that hence why people keep asking if he's back and yeah he's thinking he's back <laughs> so good this movie's first 16 minutes should not have happened what oh christian <laughs> oh christian christian what <laughs> this movie what he has this dog for two days and uh, we see him drive really fast with the dog and then that, hit the brakes. And that is all he does with <laughs> this dog. That whole scene is hysterical because you, you sit back and you're like, wait a second. Is the dog still in the car for this while he's like practicing his driving skills? And the dog, what? Like, what? He, we see him give the dog some cereal. I... It would have so, worked so well if the opening scene of this is him lying on the floor having in, having been beaten with the dead dog next to him. Because we are being forced to try and connect with a grieving man who, by the way, we only get shown one clip of his wife. And that's only a clip that he has on his phone. And, you know, if you want to go that route, fine. Except that they keep referencing throughout the movie how she was the one who was so good that she got him out of this world. And so he is being tasked with carrying that emotional weight, which he cannot do. I mean, you're indescribably wrong. And I'll try to explain why. And I think the the first 16 minutes are so key to this movie because it actually provides... 
some emotional grounding, some actual genuine like human heart in what is otherwise a, not a, you know a very heartless action movie. A lot of guys getting shot in the face, a lot of guys getting beat up Which and stabbed, pretty awesome. hit with cars. Absolutely, totally awesome as the action goes. But I, the, you know, at the very beginning of the movie, we see him kind of stumbling out of a car. He's bloodied, and we don't know what's going on. And then it cuts back in time, and we see the buildup to this moment. We see a few glimpses of his sick wife, and she passes. We see him at his funeral. And we understand that this guy's had a loss. And even if none of us have had a loss as traumatic or tragic as that, we've all had, we all lost someone, or at least known someone who's lost someone. We don't need to see that his wife is this amazing, great person. And we, we get that she is good partially because she has this gift arranged. And her little note to him says, John, you know, you need something to love with me. Gone. Because she knows what he, he came out days. of. He gets two days. He gets two days. But the point, then, no. the point isn't the dog. The point is that he left this criminal underworld. and He left it behind. He left it clean. He did it right. He went with this woman. It's and this guy comes into his life. It's fickle. It is fickle, and it would have made much more sense if the dog wasn't there at all. And we started in the middle of this action. Here's the thing. I had an issue with the sledgehammer scene where he is using the sledgehammer to get the guns out. One, because I wrote down... For clarity, if you haven't seen it, he's got a stash of the coins that are the currency of the underworld and a lot of his weaponry... In a in like a vault in his garage, and he's poured concrete over it, so he's breaking through the concrete to get to it. Which is, I, I remember writing down in minute twenty six, second twenty five. These are some sad looking guns. These are not cool. And I don't know. I wish they would. You want to like have a rocket launcher under there? <laughs> I would have. Yeah, I think that would have been cooler. He's got a case, and most of it's taken up by coins. What's he gonna do? I wish they had been gold bars. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Christian. Because they're aiming for something cool, and most of this case is just blank space. And I'm like, is this really what I'm waiting for? Anyway, well, part anyway, of it is sh- just how you store pistols. <laughs> okay. They clearly are looking for, for, for awesomeness in this movie over, over authenticity. Okay. So, I feel like if you had started with the sledgehammer scene, and then he goes on his revenge mission... It would have been easier to connect with him, to be like, oh man, I wonder like what it is that's driving him here. They keep asking if he's back. I wonder like what caused him to leave. But the point is that we already saw that. We saw the the level of hurt that he's carrying around with him. He's not, it doesn't feel like it. I don't look at Keanu Reeves and be like, this is a man in pain. But... (sighs) I, I guess, like, you want to cut out the because part that Because there's no emotion him. in his voice. There's no intonation in his voice I mean, to say that there's any pain there. We don't get to see any interactions he's had with this wife or any interactions that he's having with this dog. Therefore, the emotional core that the rest of this movie is relying on is simply nothing. I, I just, I guess I just don't get what movie you're watching. Because the point is that you can't drag all of that out because we have to get to the action. It's an action movie, of course. But if but if we don't have that beginning portion and we just cut right to the action where he's getting his guns out and Vigo is telling his telling his son that the boogeyman is coming for you, but we have no idea 
we don't really get a sense of who Wick is. And the fact that we have this, not really a prologue, but this sort of act one with him trying to continue on in his life after the loss of it's, his wife. It's been, then we get a sense that of, it's too short. We also get a sense of who he is. it's too short and it needed to be 20 minutes longer. We get a sense, that'd be insanely bad for the movie because it's... This is why insanely this bad for the movie. want to be two hours... Like, why would this movie want to be two, two and a half hours long? Like, it, it's so much more satisfying then to have this start quick, with the action and reveal slowly what it is that's causing him to come back. But why would we want to waste forward momentum flashing back to his life when we can just keep there are going. so many times within this movie where forward momentum is being wasted i i do disagree because we are cutting pretty quickly from action scene to action scene with of course natural lulls in between but let us we should move on to uh, other parts of this movie okay let's let's do it christian Vigos we're gonna keep disagreeing about this. sucks you're just coming in with the worst possible takes. What do you mean? He sucks. I hate his accent so much. You're like 20 minute, 20 second, 32. Why did you write these timestamps down, Christian? You've never done this on this show before. He says when he calls the guy who is who is who um had the car who punches his son. So and it's like, John, why did you punch yes. my son? Yes. John Leguizamo playing Aurelio, who is a guy who owns a chop shop. They can, People can bring in cars and they'll use them for parts or, or they'll get new clean papers so they can steal cars and then use them. Yes, he says, uh, and, and the guy says, because he, your, um, your, your, kid, uh, your, your kid stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And then you get him saying, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the worst oh in cinematic history. Christian. Oh my the, all he is his line readings are so poor. The whole point of that moment poor is that we so have seen the build-up to who John Wick is. We They're have calling not him. seen a build-up. We have seen Dude. a house built on straw built out of straws. The point is that we've seen this build up and we're like, what is the deal with this guy who fell out of the car bleeding at the first seconds of this movie? All we've seen him is, is dealing with this lost wife, he's got this puppy, now his car gets stolen. And the way that other people talk about him shows us how dangerous he is, which is backed up by the rest of the movie. It's all part of the build-up. And you see the way that Vigo, this powerful crime boss, basically pees his pants in fear of knowing in that moment his son is already dead unless he acts now. Because that's how dangerous He's, Wick is. No, no, no. He is exactly like Keanu in that he needed to have less lines. I would have rather he just hung hang up the phone. His dialogue with his son, his dialogue with his henchmen are just sounds so fake. Like, he does not actually believe the danger that he is in. And the most that I was able to get out of him emotionally is in the very, very end when he's laughing. Why do we have to emotionally invest in the the, the crime boss bad guy? Then don't give him lines! Well, he's a... I mean, Christian, he, he's a character. Like, why would we not... I, I don't see what you're even saying about Vigo. Like, you don't have to like the, the performance. The acting but... was not great. Let's go... Let's... Fine. It, it, I did not like the performance. The acting was not great. I did not like how he said the word oh so much that I wrote it down. I, that's, that's fair. And again, if you're not buying into the first 15 minutes of this movie, which, you know, I, I will but defend your rights to believe, even though I completely disagree... I see how that moment doesn't work for you. But again, that's that's where I think a strength of the movie lies as it's building up so much about who Wick is and we see the ways that these powerful people 
get scared of him and then he backs it up in the rest of the movie let me let me talk about what i think is an incredible strength of this movie let's to calm you down let's get to it all right? well i'm i get more antsy about it. you know the we have, we go back and forth and you and i are both prone to monologue <laughs> so we interrupt each other so that's what gets me hot and, hot and bothered but anyway christian let's let's hear about something you like about this movie because i could probably go on about things i like about this movie um, when 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 they when Vigo sends his first squadron of men to John Wick's house and he just de- deposes of them like it's candy it's so <laughs> it's great so good. it's the first major action sequence of the movie and as Christian has been talking about there is quite a bit of build up to it although we do get to see uh, Alfie Allen's character Yosef break in steal a car they kill the dog uh, that, there's no real genuine action scene until this moment where Vigo has sent some goons to Wick's house in the hopes that they can just take him out and move on with their lives. And Wick, of course, has broken through the cement. He has gotten his supplies, if you will. (laughs) And he dispatches these dudes quickly. And it is, it's a thrilling sequence. It's not even that, though. It's when the cop knocks on his door (laughs) and says, Hey, John. Hey, Noise complaint. Yeah. Cop peers in and sees all the dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. This cop just looks at all the dead bodies and then says, oh, you working again? Kinda. <laughs> and then the cop's like, all right, cool. And then leaves. Which I, I love that little detail because one thing I appreciate about Wick is they don't try to they don't try to tell a lot of jokes. There's not a lot of like sarcastic quips, thankfully, because I think it would make for a worse movie. The tone here I really appreciate, but... It does give these little bits and pieces that of it, it hints at a bigger world where you get a sense like, oh, this cop, he's probably in on what Wick is doing. Wick has maybe, you know, made an arrangement with him to leave him alone at his house to take care of it if there's ever a quote unquote noise complaint. And you just you get that little bit from this this short interaction. It's not overplayed, it's not overdone, it's just this nice little scene to that sort of cap off this action sequence before Wick heads into New York City to carry out the rest of his business. What other? I want to ask Christian because there's a lot of other. There's a lot of a lot of action sequences in this movie, and I think a, most of them, if not all of them, are pretty high in quality. Uh, there are some other. There's a moment at this club called the Red Circle where Wick breaks in, looking for Yosef to find him, of course, and kill him <laughs> in revenge. There's a fight with another assassin called Perkins, who's played by Adrian Palicki. Miss Perkins. Miss Perkins, of course. There's, of course, the inevitable action scenes near the end of the movie where he is confronting Yosef and eventually confronting Vigo, even a moment where he's captured and gets a little assist from one of the other characters in the movie, who we won't spoil in case you missed it. So is there a particular scene that stood out to you in addition to the opening? Uh, I love it when... Okay, we're, we're already spoiling this movie, right? Yeah, okay. We'll, sure. We'll, we'll say spoilers from here on out. I mean, there's not like a ton that you won't see coming. There's not a lot of twists and turns when it comes to John Wick. So, fair warning if you haven't seen it yet. I think you would enjoy it even if you had things spoiled for you. But anyway, Christian, fire away. Two come to mind. One is when he um, ransacks the church. Yes. <laughs> That's a fun one. Uh, of course, Wick finds out that Vigo keeps a stash of not just money, but also a stash of blackmail and things, weapons, hidden away in a Russian church in the city. And so he goes in and notices a few guys who are obviously sitting around guarding the stash in the basement, manages to waste them, not hurt any of the women sitting there, of course, wounds the priest of the church so we can drag this guy downstairs and get him to open the vault. Uh, but what what stood out to you about that sequence? It was funny. He comes in, immediately shoots the priest, and then 
goes downstairs and sets everything up. Wait, he sets it on fire? He sure does set yeah, it on yeah, fire, yeah. yes. <laughs> I, I, I just didn't know if he did that or exploited it. And I go, this is funny. There's no need to, like, go into exposition. This teaches me exactly what kind of crime boss this is. This is good action. It is not being overly serious and yet still presenting you with, like, the reality of the world that it lives in. Thought it was great. Um, second scene, which, um, when they kill Miss Perkins... I thought that oh, was yes. great. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one person we haven't really talked about thus far, Ian McShane is playing Winston, who is the operator of the Continental Hotel. And the Continental, we come to learn, is part of this world that Wick once was a part of and is now getting involved with once again. There are rules about the Continental. You have to pay using these special coins. You can get a doctor to come see you, no questions asked. You can... Uh, probably get weapons or you can arrange for someone to go clean up your you know your crime scene but of course one of the rules of the continental is no handling of business on continental grounds which because all of these people are assassins means no killing each other on the continental grounds the continental is a safe space and of course vigo tries to make something happen gets rid of wick by putting out a contract on him and even ups it if you kill him at the continental which miss perkins attempts to do and she meets her comeuppance later on in the movie with Winston, of course. So he gets all of the, well, he gets like, I don't know, some of his henchmen. They surround her, and he has the best line in this movie. I'm sorry, Miss Perkins, your, what, what, your membership to the Continental has been revoked by your own hand. Yes. <laughs> and then they just pull out their guns and shoot her. And that is where I can understand there being a John Wick 2, a John Wick 3, a John Wick 4, in that what like how who else is the continental help how many people try to abuse it like why was it started up and it's those nuggets that are feeding into this criminal underground that 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 little scene made me really fond of i was i thought about you during that scene christian because i i had no idea how you would take it it seemed like a thing that to you could that my my attempting to predict your feelings that it could be something that frustrates you because, of course, she is not really a main character, but she's one of the key supporting players, tries to take out Wick, you know, and, of course, gets away, but then she meets her end in a much different way. But I also could see a world where you had the exact reaction you just did, which makes me happy. And I got to ask, because I saw Chapter 2 and 3 sitting in DVDs from the library Watching when I walked in. Chapter 2 today. Okay, so, so later today, I, I will be very curious to get your reactions to it because I think sometimes for better and sometimes for worse, two and three go a little bit crazy with the world building and they keep <laughs> introducing aspects and characters and rules of the world. Is Halle Berry in three? Halle Berry is in three and okay. she is awesome. Um, but I want to ask about your taking it now just in John Wick, especially because it's all you know. When it comes to building out the world here, how did you feel like it balanced that in comparison to the, the more grounded story of Wick, whether or not you buy into his pain, his trauma? A relatively more grounded revenge tale set in this lightly fantasy world, this light fantasy world with assassins and rules and special hotels. I like the world building, except when the world building had to do with John Wick. What? But can you can you explain what you mean with maybe he intro and a con? He interacts with bartender with a bartender, and she looks at him and asks him, "Are you back?" And many people ask him, "Are you back?" Um, and I I don't like that. I I I like it when they say it's nice to see you again, like when he calls in a cleaning crew to mop up the mess that he had um, in his house. 
or or when they gift him a car at the Continental because of what happened, that I understand because we're seeing that interaction in time as it flows into the rules of the world. That being said, when when th there are some stupid lines, there are some downright stupid oh, lines. Of course, there are some stupid lines. Our uh, you got time one hour <laughs> minute seven at around the thirty second mark. The people don't change line. Someone says, don't know who, didn't write it down. And and I hated it. And, and I think pro someone probably said it about John Wick because we haven't gotten anything about John Wick's character or wanting to hang on to it because we don't know who he was before he met his wife. Well, here's the thing, Christian, is that this whole movie is about who he was before he met his wife. Because this guy is being unleashed <laughs> upon Vigo and Yosef yes, and their, their whole operation. Yes, but he has some sense of morality <laughs> to him. That's why he's so compelling. Then we need to know who he... Then we need to know, know more of, the of thing who he is, was with his wife. The thing is, you have no idea who he was with his wife. And I think the bits that they gave us were just enough of morsels for us to understand enough about this guy that not only no. is he as vicious a boogeyman as can be but he somehow got out of the game met this woman who was compelling enough that he was so changed at the core of his being that he left and granted he was wealthy from his work and he could afford to do it but at the same time that is what's compelling to me about the wick character is we see how grave this loss is that he suffers and the inciting incident of this movie, of the car being stolen and the dog being killed, you know, it's not really about the dog. It's not really about the car. It is simply about the fact that he tried to leave and is being forced Except back in. that they keep repeating the lines, you killed his dog, you killed his dog, dude, well, it was just a dog, dude, it was just a dog, to the point where well, I'm thinking, I keep being forced to think about the times that he spent with his dog, like uh, when he finally wastes Alfie Allen's character... And, and and he goes down by saying, dude, it was just a dog. And that's when he died. Honestly, great moment to great kill moment. him. Yeah. Honestly, great <laughs> moment to kill him. But then I sat back and thought, you know, it kind of was just a dog because the, you're not connected to this dog. The point, pretty obviously, is that everybody's trying to understand what's going on. And they think it's just the dog. They think it's the trauma. Car, but there's so that much he's more trying to get to through. It. Yes. Except when they say lines like the past had no sway over the future. What does that even mean? Like which past? We haven't seen enough of any of this past that these people keep referring to. It's it's what I told you. To strike a balance, to me, there should be no balance. To strike a balance, you either need to go much more in flashbacks to show us who he was before. Or you need to drop us in the middle of the action and go from there. So what I'm about to say, I think I'm not really looking for necessarily like a conversation. Like I'm not looking for a response and not to shut you down. It's more so just to explain the kind of the pro side of the John, of enjoying John Wick. Because obviously we're reviewing this and there are things that you like and dislike. There are mostly things that I like. And one of those things is just the, the Wick character and the story and how we get this guy involved in the world. And I think the ways that Kolstad, as he writes this script, is able to hint at who Wick was, what happened to him with Ellen, his late wife, and and then show us how this, frankly, goofy incident, like if you just describe the logline of John Wick, it sounds like a comedy. It sounds like an action comedy. And yet, they play it completely straight. And that's one of the things that I find compelling about this movie. We don't need to see all of these flashbacks to him because we understand how dangerous he is from the way that others act around him. The way that people keep talking to him. 
And if they kept cutting back to things or flashing back to things, sure, maybe an opportunity for a cool action sequence, but it wouldn't have served the story very well beyond more flashy filmmaking. And I think that the what we have here is so consistent, not just in its storytelling and its themes, but in the filmmaking itself too, which we barely touched on and I want to make sure we get to before we're done, is that the package is so satisfying and, and that's why it kicked off a franchise. So I instead of talking around the Wick character some more, I, I do want to make sure we get to the some of the actual filmmaking on display here, Christian. Um, Wikipedia considers this a neo-noir thriller. You know, I, I have seen some people describe it as such, neo-noir. And Wick is definitely usually at night. We're seeing a lot of action uh, in you know in in New York City. People slinking around clubs, firing at each other from you know from a distance. Sneaky things happening. And there's a lot of great use of color as they take us from locale to locale. A lot of cool blues early on. We see some reds as we get to the red circle. Some greens come into play later on. Some Obviously some bright moments out in the day. But there's a lot of visual variety, uh, which is one of the things that I've it's picked up on. It's a very desaturated looking movie, and so the neons do pop out. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's very... That desaturated look helps as neons pop. You said it better than I could have. Better than I did in multiple sentences. Uh, anything about the actual visuals of the film? It looks wonderful. Yeah. It, the cinematography is astounding. And, and to complement that cinematography, to and I, this is probably a, a combo of both the writing and the direction. I love how when, when you shoot someone, they go down. I, I love the this is actually a no-nonsense approach. You are going to see someone get shot in the head, go down, and you are going to move on. It's it, And it's not a frenetic camera movement. It's actually a very steady camera, which uh, makes the action much more impressive. And, and it doesn't make it feel as though the action is rushed, even though there are multiple action scenes, but instead... It is very faithful to wanting to follow the story. I think that's one of the things that Stahelski and Leach bring to the movie. Because, of course, they are, by training, stuntmen and stunt coordinators. And so their skill is pulling off these these types of fights, gun battles, other types of stunts. And as they rose up the ranks in Hollywood to second unit directors and eventually full-blown directors on this movie, I think they really try to bring a, a desire to let the stunt people just strut their stuff and show off to the movie. Because, like you said, it's it's not rapid cutting. It's not you, know, you, you can tell that there was some real intention for each and every shot. They really try to set these scenes up well and make these fights compelling to watch. Especially as Wick is sometimes taking on waves and waves of dudes or moving through the Red Circle nightclub from room to room to room, trying to chase after Yosef. Uh, the the actual editing of these action scenes comes together so well because we're not like flashing around between Wick and the bad guy, Wick and the bad guy, Wick and the bad guy, but. We're letting individual little moments breathe and then cutting only when necessary. Which and John Wick is always at the forefront. And, and Wick is, of course, always at the forefront, which I greatly appreciate. And just the whole visual look of this movie is pretty, pretty tight when it comes to the actual coloring, the way it's shot. I'll say cinematographer here is Jonathan Sala. Did a very nice job putting this all together with Leach and Stahelski. Edited by Elizabeth Rollins, Ronalds. Sorry. What was also wonderful about this movie, in the very last fight scene that made me acknowledge more 
um, is there's a a um, a bad guy is chasing Wick and goes on top of the car and Wick shoots him through the roof of the so, car. So good, which is wonderful because it's not it it again the cutting doesn't like cut back to him jumping on the car and back to no it just shows a full frame with John Wick and very much so at the center. And this is a moving car, and the camera is keeping up with the moving car. And I go, yes, this this does well. And also, uh, I, I mean, that's that's the the everything being at night with with a very desaturated look. It looks wonderful. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. It just just a very good looking movie. And mm-hmm. maybe the last thing that I want to get to, Christian, before we wrap things up here, is partly just the sort of legacy of John Wick. It's been, it's been out less than ten years. It's got a franchise going, so it's not nearly over, but. One of the reasons I think it was so successful is honestly because I think it's counter-programming to a lot of the quote-unquote action movies we're getting these days. Because a lot of times you'll have action movies like this, you know, revenge thrillers or something like that, put onto a streaming service or straight to Redbox or some of these other, you know, non-theatrical ways of releasing movies. It's usually got an actor who's past their prime uh, across two other actors who were popular when they were in their 20s but have lost all of their luster in their 30s and it's very stereotypical standard plots and stories and nothing too excessive or you get the mcu which of course are many things but among them they are action movies they're big superhero blockbusters and we have these types of big giant franchises that for of course all the things they do well are so also aren't always very serious and even when the MCU has its you know, earnest, dramatic moments, it's still lighthearted, usually fun, fun for the whole family. Wick is, of course, so different from that, in that it is a played straight revenge thriller, very action-oriented, very clear visual identity going for some of these, trying to ape from other types of action movies, you know, kung fu movies, or these neon-lit noirs set in New York City from the 70s and the 80s. It's walking in this tradition, and I think that's part of why it was so successful. And I guess my, I don't know, I bring that up because I'm curious if you picked up on any of that, even as even as you're not as much an appreciator of the Wick character and his motivations. It sounds like you appreciated the filmmaking and, and the way this movie looked and the effort yeah. put into it. And so I guess anything you wanted to add there in terms of the success or kind of how it stands in relation to other properties in Hollywood right now? I mean, it's very much of a mold of a... Of a james bond or or of a mission impossible which already identified are the key those are the key action franchises so far of of the decade and honestly uh the times when people will go out into the movie to see a lot of these standalone action movies that even though they might be good are are pushed to red box once they have like a famous star in them and even a famous star can't always do that I, i think there was like a a guy pierce movie called seventh son that was supposed to be an action film guy pierce well this movie went straight to Redbox and video on demand yeah i mean guy pierce is someone who i mean he was in iron man 3 less than 10 years ago and now his career has taken the downturn to the point where he's fronting these action movies that just aren't getting big theatrical releases anymore or they get dumped into a january random slot or a february random slot and so it's it's it um i I'm impressed, but I'm also not surprised that in order for for these movies to keep surviving, they have to do so in a franchise model. Which, you know, is also the interesting piece about John Wick, in that you feel like, as Kolstad is writing it, who knows how much of it was in his original script versus what the producer said, hey, add it in. 
but you feel like he's hinting at ways where this world could expand yeah. like it obviously did but also wanted to tell a taut and complete story yeah and uh, of course christian because you've had so much interest in the dog another final spoiler warning for the listeners out there he does end the movie where it began getting out of his car behind this building he stumbles in and we find out it's a, a veterinary clinic he's and getting we, some medicine to patch up his oh wounds and of course he finds himself a new dog that he gets to take home our man wick on the rebound on the mend he sought and found his vengeance he played by the rule book kept it clean and gets a, gets a new dog at the end of the movie what a guy that john wick i think my note for that one was this shit was stupid <laughs> i can't wait to see what you think of john wick chapter two and three I will say, Chapter 2 is one of my favorite action movies in recent memory. Chapter 3, I think, is a little bit of a downturn, but still one that I really enjoy. I think it gets a little bit lost in the world building, so we'll see what you think of that, Christian. And then you can come with me to John Wick Chapter 4 when it is in theaters eventually. But of course, that is John Wick. Uh, Christian, just final question. Would you recommend Yes, I would. Yes, I would. So Christian recommends it mildly. I recommend it wholeheartedly, baby. Check it out unless you're like a young child. If there's any young children who listen to the show, don't watch John Wick. You'll you'll watch it when you're older. Uh, of course, it is available to rent pretty much anywhere. Christian got it from the library. I got it from Amazon Prime Rentals. And hopefully it'll be streaming again soon. And of course, our David Lynch blend of the month will march on into a new week next week as we get to a movie that, as I gather, neither of us have seen. So another movie that we're coming to for the first time, although admittedly not a new release like The Bullet Train, that movie is Atomic Blonde, 2017 Leach release, where he, of course, was the sole credited director and starring Charlize Theron in one of her um, big, somewhat popular movie. I guess maybe not big, somewhat popular in a a certain crowd, but uh, post Mad Max Fury Road. So... Uh, I believe that movie is streaming on FX now, which I'm not assuming a lot of people have access to that service. So also rentable. So go to the library. Go to the library. Rentable pretty much wherever you get your movies. Uh, and you can you can join us in borrowing from the library or paying the good people at Amazon another $3 or whatever it is. And, of course, that is our show. So if you have reached this point here, thank you so much for listening. Honestly, sincerely appreciate it. It's a good time for Christian and I to watch these movies and to record our conversations and share them with you and know that there's people out there listening. So thank you for your support. There are a few things, uh, of course, a few things you can do to support the show. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and go ahead and leave us a rating or a review if relevant. Helps us reach new listeners and grow on those platforms and we love to shout out reviews when we get them. So please be so kind. My, my, my ego, folks, it's soft, it's gentle, it needs nourishment. Leave me a five-star review. Do it. There are also a couple of other ways you can show your support. So number one, send us an email to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Right now, the only emails we've been getting are from Twitter, notifying us of tweets we might like, people when they tweeted us. So we'd love to see some actual listener feedback there. And we'd love to know movies that you want us to cover, your ideas for blends of the month, or if you have any thoughts on these movies that we're covering as part of our Leech Blend of the Month, we'd love to shout you out on the podcast, especially if... We forgot to mention your favorite way that John Wick kills someone, you know? Let us know that, and we'll shout it out next week. And, of course, you can also support us on social media, where I and the show are on Twitter, Christian is on Instagram, and we are both on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Nope. I'm just waiting for the day where you got a final thought to share with them, Christian. Just, Just one final thought for the people. But we'll have to keep waiting for Christian to get his final thoughts until 
he's he's back like John Wick. But until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>